I gave a radio interview this week to a friend whom I've known for a long time. He and many of his listeners are Orthodox Jews. I always welcome such opportunities. Dialogue, disagreement, and debate are central Jewish values, and they also constitute the essence of the liberal mindset, a desire to seek out different and even competing opinions. I assumed that our discussion would be friendly banter. I've known him for a long time, but my friend zeroed in quite aggressively on what he perceived to be the weaknesses of the reform movement. In particular, he pressed me on why we so emphasize tikkun olam, the Jewish obligation to repair society, to care about and act upon the moral flaws and inadequacies of the world around us, outside the Jewish community. The answer is in this week's Torah portion. Vayera. We read of the destructions of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. God is portrayed as deliberating, perhaps even arguing with himself. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? I have selected him to do what is just and right. How can I conceal from him my plans for the cities? It's one of the most astonishing and remarkable passages in all of religious literature. God invites Abraham to debate. God hopes that Abraham will not simply allow the destruction of the cities, but will stand up, even to God, and to protest, protecting the innocent. And that's precisely what Abraham does. He takes up the challenge and utters among the most eloquent and revolutionary words in the entire history of religious literature. Will not the judge of all the earth do justice? Perhaps there are 50 righteous people in the cities. Will you kill the righteous along with the wicked? Will you not forgive the cities for the sake of the 50 righteous? Some theologians of other religions view this passage as the prime example of the downfall of man. The hubris of a creature of flesh and blood daring to argue with God. If you want to understand our people's stiff-necked stubbornness, our argumentative nature, our insistence on justice, on why Jews seem to be overrepresented in every social cause under the sun. You need no, look no further than this one verse. Will not the judge of all the earth do justice? Abraham had little in common with the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. He could have stood on the surrounding hills and watch the fire and brimstone rain down on these cities as we might today watch a war on television. Bombs raining down on cities, high-tech missiles honing in on their targets. Why should Abraham care? He doesn't know these inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he does care. That's the whole point of the passage. 
Abraham argues with God on behalf of people he does not know, and God invites and welcomes the debate. Judaism is not a one-way street. God commands and people obey. Rather, God wants protest for the sake of what is right. That's the point of the passage. Had the point been obedience, the outcome of the story would have been different. It would have ended with Abraham punished or smitten with a cautionary admonition. You see, this is what happens to people who dare argue with God. Eventually, Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. But that's because Abraham lost the debate. There are no righteous people in the city. The Bible is emphatic. The point of Judaism is to develop, develop a kinship with all human beings, to protect the weak, to feel a sense of collective responsibility. God searches for the Abrahams of the world, not only good people, but good people who are prepared to fight for justice and to stand up for the weak and the oppressed. That's why we emphasize tikkun olam, the repair of society's injustices. It's not simply a reform value. It's a Jewish value at the heart of the Jewish enterprise since the very beginning of Judaism. The rabbis teach whoever can prevent his household from doing wrong and does not is punished for the sins of his household. Whoever can prevent his neighbors from doing wrong and does not is punished for the sins of his neighbors. And whoever can prevent the world from doing wrong and does not is punished for the sins of the world. And thus I told my friendly radio interrogator, our synagogue is proud of our emphasis on tikkun olam. We're proud of our pantry that distributes food every single Shabbat to the needy, whether rain, sleet, snow, or shine, it doesn't matter, they're out there. We're proud of our men's shelter that we will return to after the pandemic is over, allowing us to host 10 homeless New Yorkers for the night. We're proud of our many, many, many other initiatives devoted to people in need, irrespective of race, religion, or creed, all organized by our congregants who voluntarily give of themselves in pursuance of Jewish values. For them and for us, tikkun olam is an outgrowth and an expression of not reform Judaism, but Judaism. But my Orthodox friend did raise a very good point. Beneath all the, you know, pumped up tension required for a good radio show, his main critique was why do Reformed Jews seem to emphasize tikkun olam over and at the expense of every other Jewish value? Why does it seem that tikkun olam is the only value that Reformed Jews speak about? Now that's a critique that resonates with me. I myself have cautioned that we leave the impression 
with our own congregants and the broader Jewish and general world that Judaism is only tikkun olam, that Judaism is only universal aspirations and has nothing to do with our own particular people. We need to be careful about that. All of us, you Jews in the pews and the rabbis and leaders of our movement must do deeds and speak words, not only of tikkun olam, universal values, but also Klal Yisrael, the principle of the centrality of the Jewish people. This too is at the very heart of Judaism. In fact, it was introduced to Abraham hand in hand with Tikkun Olam. Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. That's why I select you to make of you a great nation. And I will bless your nation. And through the Jewish people, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Klal Yisrael and Tikkun Olam are bound at the hip and cannot be severed. If they are severed, it's something different than Judaism. Jewish peoplehood, our obligations to one another, is the axiomatic assumption of Judaism. Kol Yisrael arevin zebazeh, the rabbis teach. All Jews are responsible one for the other. When one Jew feels pain, all Jews are in pain. From the beginning of Jewish time, there was a healthy tension between Klal Yisrael, the centrality of the Jewish people, and Tikkun Olam, our universal aspirations and obligations. If we reject Klal Yisrael in deeds, words, or silence, what we do not say, then what is left is not Jewish universalism. It's just universalism. Hosea was not Hegel. Micah was not Mill. And Jeremiah was not John Locke. All of the Hebrew prophets, every last one of them that we love quoting for their universal principles, all of them were of the Jewish people, by the Jewish people, and for the Jewish people. All of them were anchored in the value of Klal Yisrael, the covenant of the Jewish people, which is the source, the fountainhead of our universal aspirations. Thus, the very Amos who insisted on the universal principle of justice. Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream was the same prophet who concluded his book with these words of Klal Yisrael. I will restore my people Israel and I will plant them upon their soil never more to be uprooted from the soil that I have given them. The very Isaiah, who insisted on the universal principle, the poor and the needy seek water, I will not forsake them, was the same prophet who insisted on this 
principle of Klal Yisrael. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, my friend, I chose you. I have made you a covenant people alike to the nations, opening eyes deprived of light. And the same Micah who insisted on the universal principle of peace, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, and nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they know war anymore. That Micah was the same prophet who concluded his book with these, his final words of Jewish peoplehood. You will keep faith with Jacob, loyalty to Abraham, as you promised on oath to our ancestors in days gone by. 